0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another issue, episode, entry, whatever you want to call it. Thanks uh, for joining us on this new episode of The Longbox Hunters. I am your host, Tristan Benz, and joining me for this momentous recording is the one and only man of tomorrow, Drew Garrison. Drew, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good. Also, thank you for giving me the man of tomorrow moniker.
0: Well, you can be the man of tomorrow. I'm the man of today. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm not necessarily a man of steel. I bruise far too easily for that, and I'm too sensitive, quite frankly. But you know, I I'm I'm the last son of uh, Lee. You know, so I could I could go with that moniker. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling today, Drew? How are you feeling today? What's 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 percolating in that little that little mind of yours?
1: Well, just the, fa- just the fact that, you know... Uh,
0: I mean, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Drew, we have breaking news coming in from the Daily Planet. <laughs> We've got... Sorry to set you up there. We've got breaking news at the time of this recording. Uh, just days ago, David Cornsweet of the shows Hollywood and The Politician and Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Miss Maisel and House of Cards have respectively been cast as Superman slash Clark Kent and Lois Lane in James Gunn's upcoming film... Superman Legacy, which is set to kick off the new DCU in July of 2025. Now, Drew, I know I asked how you're doing, but more importantly, how are you feeling about this?
1: Well, considering that this was one of the fan casts I had when we were head to head in uh, Clash of the Stash.
0: It was. And, you know, at the time, I complimented him. He was like, that's a good fan cast. Because remember, I said, I also had him as my Superman. But then I thought, "Mm, I kind of want him as Cyclops. I'm a little sad that's not going to happen now. Because he would have been a good Cyclops, but he'll be a great Superman. Also funny, uh, do you recall who my Superman pick was? (laughs)
1: Oh, it's It's been so long, but I can't remember.
0: My Superman pick is also in the news right now, because at the time, and things have changed since the new information's come to light, at the time, Jonathan Majors was my pick. Oh. And also, extra funny, before I went with Jonathan Majors, my pick before him was Nicholas Holt, who was in the running for Superman this time, and he didn't get it. So that man just, you know, he's, he's doing good. He's still making good movies, uh, you know, with Renfield and the menu and all that. But it's like, man, missed out on Superman, missed out on the Batman. Like he missed out on Top Gun Maverick. He was in, going to be in the new Mission Impossible and then scheduling, you know, he couldn't play the villain anymore. Like he's just missing these blockbusters. They, their society is, is hell bent on just saying you will only ever be Hank McCoy. It's it's
1: so sad too because I really did like him as Hank McCoy. It's like at, well, at first I didn't because that meant we weren't getting Kelsey Grammer as Hank McCoy because that was like perfect casting. God, that's
0: perfect casting. I tell you what, we'll talk about we'll talk about the many crimes of Hank McCoy at one point. Uh, but today we're talking all things Superman. Uh, that's right. You saw the title. We're talking about Superman Birthright today. But before we get in too deep on that, there's another little bit of Superman information uh, that that I want to discuss with Drew. Because we are also, and I imagine by the time this airs, well, no, definitely by the time this airs, this will all be old news. And Taylor was like, hey, well, why don't we make this the second episode y'all drop? And I said no, because continuity. Uh, Yeah. you You could hear our growth over the last few episodes. And I didn't want that to be jarring, you know, playing this and going back. So anywho... We're also days away from the premiere of The My Adventures with Superman cartoon. Drew, how are you how are you feeling about that?
1: I'm honestly excited. Having having Lois be the titular character that we focus on is honestly something I've well, always wanted. Well, the titular wanted.
0: character is still Superman, but you know. Well, it's, yeah, uh, but, it's, but the My does refer to Lois, I guess, so.
1: Yeah, and it seems like from the commercials it's like it's more going to be about like Lo- Lois's journey and getting to know Superman. At least that's what I got from the commercials. I could be completely wrong. I mean,
0: I'm seeing it, it, it from everything I've seen. It seems like it's mostly going to be about like the two of them together in their relationship with also Jimmy Olsen along for the ride, which really that's most of what I want from a Superman story. So I'm not at all complaining.
1: Yeah, it's like honestly any story where we could get the three musketeers going in and doing their thing. It's like I like it. I'm here but, for
0: it. I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. I admit that because it has the same art style as The Boys, Diabolik, uh, specifically the episode with Homela- with Homelander's like oh, origin and so, stuff. That is similar.
0: I was thinking more like Invincible.
1: It has similar things to Invincible, but I feel like Invincible art style is a bit bulkier because mm, it, do- it does it does want to show off. Yeah, it does want to show off like the um bias of the characters, what makes them each different and everything. Like Adam Eve and. Uh, and uh, Duplicate have very different bodies from Monster Girl and...
0: Well, I would uh, hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I'd have some questions about that art style if, if they're drawn with the same silhouette. If you can't pick out Monster Girl's silhouette, then you're not, you're not uh, properly translating those characters.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but also the Guardians of the Globe Wonder Woman, I'm pretty sure she was War Woman, but I didn't know if they
0: changed it for the animation. No, I believe she was still War Woman, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's like she has, she's definitely more muscularly defined than the other female characters and stuff. And we're gonna get more of the, um, female characters going into Invincible Season 2 and stuff. But it's like, for them, theirs is more muscular and blocky. For Mm. the diabolicals, theirs have a more rounded edge to them to take away, like, the harshness of it. Mm. Which is supposed to, like, get you in a lulled sense before all the gore in the episode.
0: Uh, okay, well, we'll see. I mean, we've only seen bits and pieces from My Adventures with Superman, so maybe it turns out we're both right.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to be gore in Superman. I, I it's mean, right. <laughs> it's
0: on Adult Swim. Maybe it's going to have Superman ripping somebody's face off. Who knows? You know, I'm sure there's a certain sect of the internet that'd be happy to see that, mainly because everyone's so obsessed with evil Superman. But evil Superman's lame, and today we're talking about good Superman, alright? We're going to keep it positive, we're going to keep it good here, but... Before we get into the meat of the show, before we get into today's topic, and now that we've covered the the breaking news that again went by the time this airs broke <laughs> weeks, this ago. this has been
1: the Daily Planet Corner.
0: This has been the the Daily Planet Corner. Uh, Drew, what comics and graphic novels and whatnot? What have you been reading in your personal life? Like not for the podcast, just what's you know what have you been keeping up with?
1: Okay, so before I told you guys, I was reading Batman Nightfall, and like. Going back to just the nostal- nostalgic trips for me, I decided to pick up another one from my old comic book collection mostly because buying new comics is very hard right now. But um I finished awesome. I finished Rock of Ages. Oh. Yeah, that Yeah, that one's a pretty good one, but also in I've decided to start rereading Invincible um volumes 1 and 2 and uh, I'm almost done with volume 1. So
0: excited for that. Look at you. Look at you. What have I been reading? Uh I have been reading the uh the Trinity series. Oh, finished that whole thing was it yesterday? Day before? I think it was yesterday. And man, what a what a series. A lot of it still a little bit weird because I'm like there's a lot of tarot stuff and arcana and that doesn't normally work for me, but a lot of good character moments that I I feel like that series underrated. I I feel like that's a bit of a hidden gem. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, that's arguably a better uh, Justice League comic book series than the Justice League of America comic book series that we had uh, between Infinite Crisis and up until the New 52. You know, that might be controversial to say, but I'm saying it. I'm saying
1: it's been a long time since I read the Trinity. I would have to reread it to make a sound assessment, but I trust your judgment interest. Well,
0: maybe one day we will talk about it on this show. Uh, and as usual, got one other question for you. What's a random, you know, little comic or continuity factoid that cracks you up, Drew?
1: Well, since today, since today is the Superman one, uh, I'm not going to do the one that I wanted to do in the episode, but if, since today is a Superman one, one of the funny things with uh, Clark's powers that i that i find a little bit hilarious but also like it it does make sense is that clark's when clark views the visual spectrum sometimes he can see sometimes he can see your soul like he could like actually see your soul he did it to superboy once to prove to him that he wasn't just like a robot or anything that he actually has a soul
0: yeah, and he sees it like just as a, and he, he gets into that is something they get into in this book. Like he sees it more as like just a vague aura, like with yeah. colors that humans don't have words for. So that's a that's a nice little that's a, that's a nice little Superman thing. It's like oh, see that's why he's such a, a good fellow. You know, he can see yeah uh, everything. I also have a, a Superman factoid that just really amuses me. Um, his Kryptonian name Kal El translates as Star Child. You know, because the the. The L family name, it's its Kryptonian for child, and Kal is star. So Superman's name is literally Star Child. <laughs> which is adorable.
1: Originally, before I found that out, I actually had this theory that Kal's um, name was supposed to be based off of the Kryptonian hero Nightwing. So...
0: I mean, he was definitely... he we, We've seen him... Same old times he took inspiration from Nightwing, which is why he then passed (laughs) on that identity to the one and only Dick Grayson. So, you know, which, which, you know, side note, just uh, because it seems like the Bat family is already going to be established in the DCU. And because it seems like the Superman that we're, that David sweat is going to be playing is already going to be established. I hope we get like... I, I hope superman and batman are already friends and i hope that nightwing if he is around which i would imagine he would be if they're already going for robin as uh, i mean damien is robin i hope we get a, a little moment acknowledging that yeah like that's a kryptonian name because i feel like people don't talk about that enough
1: yeah it's like he it's like he got the name from soups and it was like to help him like grow into the into the hero that dick wanted to be so it's like
0: would really love that yeah it'd be good stuff but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about the iconic fantastic super Superman origin series, Superman Birthright by Mark Wade, Leno Francis Yu and the late Jerry Allen Gulen. So, you know, RIP piece. to him. He was a very talented uh, inker and, and and artist. So and you can you can he he worked with uh, you Yu for I mean, forever. Like even when um, you was still on uh, Jonathan Hickman's X Men, you know, at the beginning of Dawn of X. So like he's he he's did some good work. So you know he will he will definitely be missed. But fun fact about you, by the way. Um, fun fact about me. No, well, not you,
1: uh, Lionel. Um, so when. M- so, when I was younger and I actually found someone who was actually in the comic books, he had a nickname for you uh, that is still funny to me to this day because it just seems like someone did that on purpose. But his name is Lionel Francis U, or as the nickname is, Lionel F.U.
0: Oh, that is funny. Yeah. And cl- clever. Was the person who came up with that name 13 at the time? Because that seems about the...
1: <laughs> yes, it, yes, we were teenagers.
0: Okay, well then there you go. That tracks, that tracks. Uh, now, as usual, the synopsis, the little brief synopsis that we've got for Superman Birthright uh, comes from... This is essentially paraphrased from different bits on Wikipedia, but it reads as follows. Uh, Originally, the series was intended to be a non-canon version of Superman's origin, showcasing both his origin and updating him for the 21st century. Superman Birthright is a 12-issue limited series published by DC Comics in 2003 and 2004, written by Mark Wade with art by, as we mentioned, Lionel Francis Yu and Jerry Allen Gulen, given to Wade with the request to create an origin story for Superman set in the 21st century that new readers could understand without any previous knowledge of the character's mythos. This is something that Wade had wanted to do since he first saw Superman the movie. Probably, I think Wade saw it in theaters. I think he was old enough to have seen it in theaters. And it also replaced John Byrne's The Man of Steel series as Superman's canonical origin story until the events of Infinite Crisis by Jeff Johns, Phil Jimenez, Jerry Ordway, George Perez, and a shitload more talented creators in 2004 or 2006. So of all the Superman origins... That we've had, at least in the modern age. Like, this one had the, the shortest stint of being in continuity.
1: Which is a damn shame. Which, boy,
0: is it. Because up until this point, like it like it says, it replaced uh, um, Man of Steel. Which, let me see, that was what, 86? 87? It was right after, it was when uh, DC was you know, coming back from the crisis on Infinite Earth and resetting up their continuity. Is around this time, we also got Batman, year one, and we got um, George Perez's start on Wonder Woman, which reintroduced her to the canon in the modern day. So this was Man of Steel was Superman's origin for about mm, almost 20 years. Yep. This is, I guess, 17 At that point, if it was 86, I don't know, I'm bad at math. I think 17, nearly two decades. Then we had this being canon for maximum, I guess, two or three years, you know, didn't really have a long time. But then right after Infinite Crisis, like, all right, Superman's Secret Origin, this is canon now, this is it. And that lasted until the new 52 in 2011. And then we had, you know, Grant Morrison's goaded action comics run. But now that we are back and since rebirth and like since I guess since Doomsday clock with uh, Clark's parents bring brought back, I, it seems the Superman's secret origin origin is what is currently Canon.
1: Yeah. yeah, or or like because of Doomsday Clock and all that other stuff as well, mm-hmm. because that's also considered to be a part of it. It seems like, oh, he was one of the first superheroes, but he sort of metatextually has just gone forward through time.
0: Yeah, I don't know DC continuity. It's a whole other puzzle box that we could do an entire I don't know series of episodes on. I can't even say we could boil it down to one episode because oh no that no would no no impossible. No. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a whole little Russian nest egg of confusion and retcons, and few characters I think are as wrapped up in that as Superman, if only because he is so central to the DC universe, which is funny because. For as wrapped up in that continuity as Superman is, as emblematic as he is of the DC Universe, you know, you would think his various origins, origins and whether or not they're conflicting or whether or not they go together, you'd think they would be more confusing than they are, just with as many times as it's been like, nope, this is what happened with Superman, nope, this is what happened with Superman, but it is... It's one of the most stable origins, I think, in, you know, comic book media. Like, obviously, this isn't an episode about All-Star Superman, which we, I'm sure we will eventually have. But, oh, you know, it, it opens with, uh, you know, doomed planet, desperate scientists, last hope, kindly couple Superman. Like, that's it. That's the origin. He's from a planet that died, and his parents put him in a rocket, and he was found in Kansas, and now he's Superman. And So, yeah. the, the flexibility that that simple origin brings it a stabilizes you know the core of superman we pretty much always know what he's going to be even in something like uh you know jla the nail or you know superman red sun like he's found by farmers in pretty much every you know continuity
1: never anyone else unless he's the evil superman that he might be found by uh by um Lex Luthor's family but that yeah. was like two times
0: I think or in Flashpoint when he you know his rocket crashes in Metropolis but that was Barry's fault you know that was Barry's fault not Superman Damn it fault. Barry Damn it Barry um but it stabilizes Superman's origin but also it gives creators a lot of wiggle room to play which like you know obviously with birthright obviously with these other origins we have mentioned with you know these alternate uh, elsewhere stories that we've also mentioned like All-Star like Superman Red Sun you know it's it's very simple in a way that feels timeless and I think that's one of the good things about this book that we'll we'll get into Um, This was supposed to be a modernization of Superman. And like, you know, we talked about with the Ultimates, really like we've talked about with everything we've covered so far, because all of them came out like 20 years ago. These are supposed to be, so far, what we've covered, they're supposed to be like true to the core of the character and uh, not necessarily a simplification in the pejorative sense, but it's supposed to boil it down for new readers. And the fact that this was, you know, Um, quote-unquote modernization and this came out 20 years ago and yet it's still you know something worth talking about today i think that is something that is intrinsic just a to the talent of the creative team involved because this is just an all-star team and also it's just indicative of the power of superman's origin
1: yeah and i also think that shows um what makes some like some heroes able to translate to the um modern day really well it's like Mm -hmm. if you think about it nearly nearly all of the trinity and even spider Spider spider-man iron man and multiple other characters their origins can be transposed into the modern day nearly seamlessly Mm -hmm. because as much as things change some things just don't go away
0: Yeah, and I mean, and I would also extend that to, uh, like, a character like Captain America. As long as you have him fighting in World War II, and then he's frozen, you wake him up whenever this new origin's being published, then, you know, it fits. Like, some of these, obviously there are characters who have had their backgrounds and origins refreshed and remixed, you know, until the cows come home. But there are certain core uh, stories that are just archetypical, and they are... You know, not necessarily eternal, but they're incredibly, you know, long lasting. And I think that so far, I mean, Superman's coming up on what? This is his 85th anniversary and the whole, oh, his rocket, you know, was sent away from his dying planet and he crashed on Earth. Now, originally he was like, you know, placed in an orphanage or whatever, but still the same basic premise of he's sent you know... From a planet, a dying planet in a rocket, similar to Moses being sent down the river by his parents, Uh, you know. Because he's
1: Moses and not Jesus, He's Moses
0: and not Jesus, which, not to lean us too far into the theological, but, I mean, that is essentially, like, Superman's origin is the story of Moses. So, if we want to get real meta with it, like, Superman's origin is one that people have been talking about for, you know, thousands of years. Not just... I mean, how old's the Bible, Drew? You're more religious than I am. I'm not religious at all.
1: Technically, the Bible is supposed to be as old as Jesus was, but there are actually Bibles before then, so... uh, Oldest copy we've got, 3,000 years old.
0: Okay, but yeah, so thousands of years. So, yeah. So there's a story that's been going on for thousands of years, and yet we're still able to find new and exciting and engaging uh, ways to translate it. Now... We've, we've talked all, you know, metaphysical and, and, you know, theological about the power of Superman's origin. But focusing in on just this specific story, Drew, how do you feel about Superman Birthright? Like, what are your general thoughts on it?
1: I think I wish that this was the origin that we were going off of for um, post-DC, Rebirth, Universe, whatever um, current continuity title we are on. Because this I, is truly the spirit of Superman in a full story.
0: It is. And I, you know, honestly, going back and, and reading this, you know, clearly we're both fans of the story. And ha- currently keeping up with the ongoing Superman books, I think there is an argument to make that this can be read as canon. I know some people read it as the current canon and, and you know, it because of everything that happened with Rebirth and Infinite Frontier, um, for those who aren't aware, because we like to try and keep this uh, new reader friendly. So DC has a habit of refreshing their continuity constantly uh, since the 80s. Um, First, there was, I mean, if we want to date it all the way back to when DC first started and the superheroes were first being published, you know, there was obviously you still had Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and then you had, you know, like, Alan Scott, the mystical Green Lantern, and, you know... Where Jay he was Garrett magic. Flesh. He was magic. He still is magic. Alan Scott, goaded. Um, and then, you know, superheroes fall out of favor in the general public for a while, but then, you know, come the space age, we get revitalizations. You know, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, they survived the dip, you know, they were always, uh, always being published. But, you know, you get refreshes with Uh, New Green Lantern, you know, Hal Jordan with a sci-fi origin, you get the new Flash being Barry Allen, the Flash of the Silver Age. And eventually they set it up so that, oh, well, those original versions of the characters, they're on Earth 2, you know, the current characters, you know, the Justice League, you know, made up by Hal and Barry and Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, they're on Earth 1 in crisis on infinite earths they're like we got too much of a multiverse going on it's too confusing we're all making it one timeline they blend the timelines that's when you get the new origin with john burns man of steel then there was really no reason why they had to make a new origin for birthright they're just like you know what this is good let's make it canon because originally this was supposed to be out of continuity
1: yeah but it was just but it was just so good and so popular that they just had to put it in canon so they basically got the yeah, so it basically got the, um... Ah, what's it called? It's a seminal storyline. It's killing like Killing Joke? Up, yeah, Killing Joke. It got yeah. the t- Killing Joke treatment.
0: Yeah, which is also very funny, because going back and... Not Killing Joke, that...
1: That's not very funny.
0: But, uh... Reading Superman Birthright, it was funny because you look at a, a newspaper, and it's dated 2004, <laughs> like when this is coming out. So it's like, oh, this is what was canon, guys? So you're saying Superman just appeared this year that it's been publishing, and we're ignoring you know the decades of, i don't know it it was it, it's just funny that they didn't think that far ahead but um yeah so dc after you know we we mentioned this was made canon then comes infinite crisis we're bringing back a multiverse and well infinite crisis and 52 we've brought back the multiverse origins have changed again timelines have changed again and on and on and on um then you get the new Fifty Two. We've it's that was essentially a reboot, taking everything back to square one, aside from like Batman and Green Lantern, uh, because so we got, they were
1: the most popular. They at the were time. the
0: most popular. What side note, man? Can we go back to a time when Green Lantern was one of the best selling <laughs> books? That, <you'd laughs> seen? that was great. For <laughs> we me. need we need an, we need
1: another Blackest Night. Oh my God, Blackest Night is so good. God, I can't wait. It's, a, a it's, so it's so it's so good, and you're like. Okay, okay, just just quick side tangent for me. Mm-hmm. Blackest Night is so good because it not only can you go in it as a new reader, but you can also, like, learn the history of the DCU and have it be so natural as so many characters deal with the losses that they've had mm-hmm. of being alone and sometimes even dealing with their own origin stories. Like, at one point, Jon Stewart had to deal with a planet he blew up. If you guys saw Justly Unlimited, you know which one. But it's, like... Uh, Black- Blackest Night is so good because it gets you in as a new reader but it also like rewards you for being an old one
0: for those unfamiliar Blackest Night was a DC Universe uh, Green Lantern centric event where there were a Black Lantern core of rings that were reanimating the dead so it's basically the DC Universe versus Zombie Lanterns so it's really cool um, Space Zombies Space Zombies god it's such a good book anyway anyway uh <laughs> so <laughs> then new 52 takes everything back to just you know square one we get new origins for everybody and then rebirth comes around because people are like hey we miss a lot of the history we had you know for decades before So like oh yeah some of it's back and then come infinite frontier their new mandate was now everything's canon everything happened so continuity is a little bit up in the air right now we don't know eg- the exact timeline of things so you know what as far as i'm concerned. This is still my canon origin for Superman, but then hey, I was reading a you know recent issue of Action Comics, and it was a flashback of Metallo, like to his early days, and he had the design from Grant Morrison's Action Comics. So, is New Fifty Two canon? I don't know, but if New Fifty Two Grant Morrison's canon, then I will accept it. Point being, this is a great Superman origin. You know, this is a very long-winded way of us saying this is a great Superman origin. This is one of the superman books that i would recommend to anyone who's like you know hey i've I've only ever watched the movies like i don't necessarily get superman like why do people care about i'm like oh superman's boring and outdated all that you know stuff that always goes trending on twitter because people don't have any taste uh this <laughs> is one of the i think ultimate superman stories and Aside from the incredible art, which we've gushed over, and we're definitely going to gush over it even more. I think mm-hmm. a big part of that is due to just Mark Wade's love of the DC Universe and his just clear love and understanding of what makes Superman great.
1: Yeah, and I also think like Superman Birthright does one thing that I think any seminal Superman story does because most people who say superman sucks how does he fight anything everything they focus on his incredible power whereas the great superman stories remember that superman's supposed to be incredibly powerful but the main thing is dealing with superman as a person yeah who he's trying to be
0: just the fact that he's just him being a good guy yeah which you know and and not uh I'm not gonna go too deeply down this rabbit hole whether or not we like the movie or we don't. I do like Batman v Superman, but there is, you you can't deny there is a great line in Batman v Superman when you know it's the montage of you know news heads and and you know influencers or whoever arguing about Superman's merits in society, and there's the line of maybe he's not some Jesus figure or you know devil like maybe because he's, just he's supposed a guy. to be moses because he's supposed to be moses uh <laughs> maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right thing and that at the core i think is what superman is like he was just a guy who was you know had good parents had a you know and it's there's an argument of nature versus nurture because there are some stories where sure he's raised differently and he's a dick And there's a lot more where it's like, no, even when he's raised in different circumstances, like he's still going to find a way to be, you know, an altruistic, good person. But this story strikes the the human nature of Superman in such a way, especially with the first few issues that I think this is one of the best showings of the character in his 85 year history.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And what also what also makes it so good is that, uh, Superman Superman's origin story lets us see Superman's thoughts on humanity through his experiences through mm-hmm. life. Like the opening itself, just allows us to see how Clark views the world. It's like he's talking with a man who is like his life is in constant danger because he's yeah, yeah he's basically just trying to uh, get equality for his people and he and ever and uh, they're sending mercenaries to try and shoot him down and stuff but even with that it does it doesn't matter to him because it's like hey even if i don't make my mark on the world if someone can take it and be better themselves and fight for their right to be their right to be seen and be equal and be free then that's Mm. the that's the human experience and that's a legacy that even if i'm forgotten for i have put down on the world and i believe that's good enough
0: yeah, and, and we don't—I'm going to try not to spoil too much about this story, because this is one that I'm like, people should just read for themselves. But just for a little bit of context for what Drew's talking about, at the beginning of the story, obviously this is his origin, so he's not Superman yet. But we see Clark traveling around the world, and at the beginning of this story, he's working with uh, and, and covering for the the press— A civil rights leader uh, in in a tribal region of Africa, and you know we we get to see a lot of. I mean, a it's it's not like Clark, you know, was totally oblivious to helping humanity before this. Like he's able to talk with this man, you know, on uh, as peers, like about you know what's good for people, like doing your part to actually make a difference in the world but it is very clear especially in you know uh as we see him take the step in the journey to officially you know announce himself to the world as superman it's very clear that his experiences here in the start of the book in africa and just on all of the other uh, uh adventures for lack of a better term he's been on before then traveling around the world meeting new people from all over from many different cultures learning a bunch of languages it's clear that that was as influential shaping him into Superman as his upbringing uh, in Smallville with his ma and pa being like, Hey, like look out for the little guy. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the things this book did also bring out in me is that one, one thing I've always wanted is just a Batman book of before, ba- called before Batman or something along those lines, where we just see Bruce going through like the different, um, his dif- his different um, experiences during his training and trying to become batman well isn't that with, what
0: uh chip zadarsky and carmen carmine g Domenico's uh batman the knight is about i'm
1: pretty sure of,
0: that's what that is i haven't
1: read kind of it goes through a lot of uh, it goes through a definitely more of his origin than any other but mm. i meant like just one that focuses on that no modern day batman
0: gotcha, gotcha.
1: yeah and this and because from this one just having clark uh, clark's origin just that one experience is me like i want to see clark's too
0: oh yeah no i would i would love a follow-up series of this where it's like him in between you know leaving smallville and the start of this book like him just going around all these different countries like his different experiences essentially studying abroad
1: yeah because it's just like it's like that's one of the things i think also a lot of people in the mainstream forget it's like these characters, might, these characters might be at their most interesting in their superhero incarnations, but they're still so fascinating and interesting to see them before they get them.
0: Yeah, and I will, and I would make the argument they're maybe most visually interesting in their superhero uh, personas, but I, I do agree with you. Like, they are incredibly interesting just on a character level before they make the choices to become these heroes, and even just when they're in their, their personal lives, their intimate moments, their personal identities outside of you know oh we got to go stop this bank robbery it's like no like it's nice to see these characters think and grow and you know really understand how they tick yeah now i feel like we've already covered our big three questions for the most part but just out of formality for the formula let's go ahead and get into them so why did we want to talk about this story uh in case it wasn't clear this is one of the best Superman stories there is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we, we, uh, let me, let me spin you a yarn. Drew, I don't have to spin you this yarn because, I mean, you've been there for it. Uh, but for the, for the folks out there, in the early, from, from the early 2000s up until really, I'd say 2021, 20, it was hard on there being a Superman fan. Or early two thousand tens, not early two thousands. Early two thousands, Superman was, was solid. You know, he had Smallville. The comics were good, whatever. But mostly Superman. since the New Fifty Two, uh, Superman comics at the beginning of the New Fifty Two, aside from Grant Morrison's action, mid, really disappointing. Not great, uh, not great stuff. Very forgettable. Um, and then you got Man of Steel, which I personally enjoyed, but kicked off the DCEU, which was very divisive. And Superman was a major point of contention in that movie universe so that was a struggle and the superman comics were still solid you know they were they grew better as new 52 went along but they still had their ups and downs they were a lot of them were fine they were solid but they weren't very memorable they weren't like yo this is great like this is a must buy we got to get into this rebirth comes along it's like okay we're we're on an upward trajectory in 2016 like we're getting more superman stuff and then, you know, it's still kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it's better. It's it, heading in the right direction, still kind of middling. And then, you know, you get to personally, I, I think in 2021, when Philip Kennedy Johnson took over, uh, action comics, that's when the Superman comics really started hitting again. We started getting more Superman miniseries again, because for so long, most of the 2010s, uh, it was all Batman, all Batman all the time. Uh, it's,
1: but he's in literally. He was in literally every book.
0: He's like seven different miniseries at any given moment. It's like oh, he was on four different teams, if I recall. Oh my god, too many teams. He was too many teams.
1: He made Wolverine look like he made Wolverine look like being on being on every team was easy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he, he he outdid Wolverine in terms of team appearances. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, we're going to work on new Batman movies. You know, we got the Batman and all the stuff. Meanwhile, for most of the latter half of the, the, the teens up until, you know, last year, it's like, we don't know what's happening with Superman in the movies. Like, what? We barely ever see him. We got Superman and Lois. It was like, okay, this combined with the comics, things are starting to look better. Things are starting to look better for the man still. So then, in the last two years, boom, we're starting to get more Superman miniseries. We're getting Superman Red and Blue. We're getting Superman uh, The Space Age. You know, right now we got Superman Lost, which is real good. We're getting. They had a revitalization of the Superman family titles for, like, the ongoing stuff. Now, we've got. he got a, a kid. S- he's. How? Got, well, yeah, he had the kid in 2016, and, and was part of why Rebirth made it better. And then, you know, it got a little. Eh, when they age the kid up but you know i think they're still working on finding their footing with that now come 2023 we just had the new uh, superman cast announcement we've got a new superman cartoon the superman comics are better than i think they've been since maybe the triangle era in the 90s and early 2000s like this is this is a we got a bunch of great miniseries like this is a a new golden age for superman you know see you always see the idris elba gif from the wire like put the word out we back up that's how i feel about being a superman fan again that's the yarn i was spinning everyone because for so long (laughs) when man of steel was the only thing we had going for superman in the public consciousness i got into so many arguments saying no superman's cool like y'all stop being haters and now here we are you know we have arrived um it will arrive even more when (laughs) Superman legacy comes out, which I still not crazy about that title. Sounds kind of fanficy, but you know,
1: but for some reason it made me, when I did hear about it, it made me think of this comic book when I
0: thought it, yeah, it. it, it, a lot of what they've talked about, obviously they've said they're really pulling heavily in terms of tone from Super, from All-Star Superman, but a, quite a few of the things they've talked about with uh, like Clark dealing with his heritage and whatnot, is that's a very heavy theme in Superman Birthright, and I, I, I hope that they take some inspiration from this. Uh, so yeah, again, a, a long-winded way of saying why did we want to talk about this story? Because Superman's up, And this is one of the best Superman stories, and we want to chat about it. Now, here's a a more interesting question that we've kind of touched on, uh, but Drew, I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think this story really does for the continuity and the mythos of Superman?
1: I think it takes his already timeless origin and somehow makes it not only more intriguing, but even more timeless. Because Mm -hmm. regardless of, like I said before, regardless of what time period Um, a good origin story is something that can be adapted while still keeping its core principles in it and this one keeps all the core principles of superman and sort of modernizes it i mean for for Pete's sake he has a freaking uh space tablet that he's been trying
0: to use (laughs) which is funny that it's like oh wow he's got a tablet device and it's like this was published in 2004 like what <laughs> tablets were not thought of at that they point. Were, yeah but it's like oh the kryptonians they had them ready the kryptonians beat steve jobs to the to the to the punch i honestly think steve jobs he read superman birthright and he's like you know what we uh they might be onto something here we got to get in on this whole uh tablet situation uh that, w-
1: that would be so hilarious if that was true uh let's just pretend like,
0: it is who's gonna say otherwise
1: true that uh yeah, but for continuity and mythos, it makes the it makes the mythos time, timeless and I think it brings the continuity into a very good place to where you could say Superman's origin story happened around this time and yeah. everything else happened in that um almost 20-year period <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to the Honestly, day. if
0: they said, like, right now, this was Superman's origin and he had been around for 20 years, it's like, yeah, that tracks. I kind of view Superman as being, like, 40 anyway. Like, yeah. in my head, Superman's 40, 41. Batman is at least 45 to me. Uh,
1: I always put them around the same age, mostly because mostly because there's this one... Um, it's a very old scene and stuff, but it's basically like Bruce, uh, me- Bruce uh, meets Clark by accident in Smallville when the car breaks uh, down. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and the they Superman play Batman
0: series. Yeah, and that that short story was uh, was also by Jeff Loeb and the late Tim Sale, who was the artist for Spider Man Blue, which we talked about on the last episode. That is a great story. And see, yeah, mm-hmm. like that also makes sense, but then. I don't know. Just their demeanors always make me feel like Bruce is a little older. I know in the new 52, it was the case that he was older because in the Superman or the Batman Superman series, like Clark was thinking about his dynamic with Bruce. And he was like, well, Bruce is a few years older. So he likes to think he can just boss me around. And even going back further in that same, the original like Superman Batman series that featured the short story of them meeting in smallville that you just mentioned. Um, you the first few pages of that book go through their origins and obviously the way it's juxtaposed it's like oh this is happening simultaneously but really it could happen at different points it's just you know the moments that shaped them and it's you know clark rocketing away from krypton and it's bruce's parents getting shot so for some reason in my head i just always that that was really ingrained in me that it's like eh like you know Bruce is a few years older to the point where, while Clark is rocketing away from Krypton, like maybe his parents are—he's he, uh, he's either on his last few years with his parents or his parents are getting shot like that same year.
1: I I can I can understand that, and it, and it does make sense.
0: And there is the thing of it depending on the continuity, sometimes it you know either Clark in in uh, John Burns Man of Steel like clark came out of the the ship as a baby because apparently in the ship he was just an embryo and then like the ship birthed him on earth which is you know kind of that's a whole other can of worms but then there are other versions where it's like you know they put him in the ship as a baby and then time still passes so he's like two or three when he lands on earth yeah i always sort
1: of associate it with like supergirl's origin where it's like technically she didn't age while she was on the Mm -hmm. ship so it's like he didn't age. So he so Sup- so so Soups was like one or two when he was rocketed, and then um, and uh, then he just didn't age while in the ship and landed on Earth because yeah. it just uh, makes more sense since the ships are supposed to be technically identical. It
0: makes more sense, which I will say that is something I do like about uh, you know going back to the DCU. I do like that about Man of Steel where they use a Phantom Drive. So it's like it's like a warp thing, like it teleports him. So it's not like oh well he's in this ship for you know however many light years for 30 years and he comes out and he's like oh he's still just a little baby uh yeah but anyway getting back to to your point about what this does for the continuity and the the mythos uh yeah for some reason i i i view batman as at least a few years older either way though like i do feel like if they wanted to just go ahead and say superman is 40 which you know his son is now 18 because he got artificially aged up. But realistically, like, he and Lois had John, what, 12 years ago? So if he and Lois had had John when they were... In, he was in their his late 20s. Lois definitely, I think, has to be a couple years older than Clark.
1: Just yeah, definitely. She
0: was already an established reporter and everything when he came to the Daily Planet. Uh, but, you know, he if he and Lois had john when they were in their late 20s early 30s like that would track so theoretically it could be like yeah superman debuted in 2004 which is a wild uh a wild notion if only because i remember being uh, 2002 2003 that's about when i hit like oh i'm a conscious being now like i have memories so i remember 2004 and that was when you know superman first appeared i this this just that it's making me think about my impending mortality
1: It's like, technically, I sort of became a conscious being a bit earlier than most. Don't know if it helped me out or made my existential crisis happen at a much early age. Who knows? But. um, Why not both? Yeah, it could be both. But uh, for me, it was definitely thinking Superman debuting in 2004 would be like a trip to me. Well,
0: be odd. But uh, as for, yeah, what this story does for continuity and mythos, like you said, it boils down to the heart of the character, and it still could fit into the modern continuity. I do think another facet of it that, and we'll talk about this a little bit uh, later when we're talking about character portrayals, uh, one part of it that that does lend itself to the argument that this is in continuity is Superman's relationship with Lex in this and their, them being childhood friends, and that's something that is being drawn on in current Superman... Uh, comics like in the in the current superman title like yeah they knew each other in smallville
1: and lex came here as a teenager after he disappeared yeah and that's a thing that's
0: in uh superman secret origin too but to a much lesser degree like in secret origin they really only have like that one or one or two interactions uh so it's you know whatever it's negligible. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, I could get why Lex would forget Clark. But in this, it's like, no, they were actual friends. Like, very clearly uh, pulling off, the, um, uh, and they say this in the, I think in the background material, like this, a lot of this is somewhat inspired by the Smallville uh, series on the, then the WB, now the CW. Um, but Lex and Superman's current dynamic in the comics references, like you should have, you know, spoiler alert, in the current comics for something that's been the case for years now. Lex is aware of Superman's identity. Uh, So there is a bit in the comics where it's like, no, you should have told me when we were kids, which makes me think this is what's canon because him saying that when it's the secret origin version where it's like, Oh, when you guys talked like twice, like why would he tell you, you know? Yeah. Whereas this, when they had an actual relationship and you know, there is a point in this story where Clark, is about to tell Lex. Like, they do have that friendship. So, I personally think that this is canon. Uh, and as for what it does to the mythos of Superman, like you said, it's, it's. I think the best word for this type of story is just iconic. Like, this, this is maybe not necessarily the most iconic uh, Superman origin, if only because it was only canon for a couple years and not a lot of people heard of it. So, it's not... It's not iconic in terms of being well known, but I think it's iconic, iconic in, in terms terms being that of, good. In being in terms of being that good and in terms of just when you're boiling it down to Superman the icon. Like this is the most I think this is the most Superman origin that we have in the modern day. Aside from um, Grant Morrison's run on action comics, which really leans heavily into a lot of the golden age tropes of the character. So, there's an argument to be made if, we're, if you're a diehard golden age Superman fan that that's a more quote unquote iconic origin. But I think, in terms of Superman overall for the modern age, I, I would argue that this is personally, you know, to me, the most iconic Superman origin. Now, also, hello, golden age lovers. Shout out to the golden age lovers out there. You know, call, we'll call them the golden girls. Uh, shout out to the golden girls (laughs) and our third big question we always ask why should you care about this for all the reasons we've talked about this is probably the i think this is the best superman origin to recommend to others in terms of a it can be read totally standalone you don't have to know anything about superman beforehand and you walk away from it being like dang superman's cool like i feel like i read an entire story like if you want to read more Superman comics, you can, but if this is the only Superman book you ever read, like you get a complete and, and engaging and exciting Superman story in a one and done format. Yeah, pretty much. I don't think I can add to that. Yeah. Well, it's the, just like Superman birthright. It's nothing we can add. It's just it's there. <laughs> it's perfect. It's great. Uh, so just, uh, our other little, you know, follow up questions. So, how do you think this? I mean, I know the answer to this question because we talked about it, but I want to talk about the, the the timeline aspect of it. So we know it holds up as a retelling of Superman's origin and as a standalone story. But how do you think the modernization like aspects of it hold up twenty years later?
1: As it holds up, it's like it's definitely something you can tell comes from close in the modern day i honestly think like if you just had one person out a smartphone you could say this takes place in the modern
0: day yeah i could i could definitely see that The like you say the only thing that really pulls you out is when they're having like flip phones or whatever <laughs> yeah even the art style is is like if this was something that was coming out today you'd be like oh wow this is a great looking book like you wouldn't have any any questions about it like there's nothing that really dates it visually
1: Yeah, I think the only I think the only thing that I I dislike about the art style and it's just like this one pet peeve Mm -hmm. is some of the shots where Superman is looking at the camera just has him has this weird face with his lips and it's like, "Mm, don't like that.
0: That's fair. And I I, especially either that or when he has like a side profile and he almost like his lips or like his, his top lip jumps out a little bit more than the bottom lip. His chin, yeah, like, yeah, and I do think that is in. I mean, that's that is use art style in general, and you can even if you look at some of his art from like last year or during this year, if he's put something out, like that is still somewhat present. So that is, like you said, it's just a tick with that specific uh, creator, but I can see why you know certain angles would would throw you off. It is the art style is big, you know, superhero action, but use at least the way he portrays faces is stylistic enough that I can see why some people are like, eh, it's not for me. But that being said, like his environments, you know, when he draws the landscape of Metropolis, like it's incredible. Like it does feel like the city of tomorrow in a way that I feel like you don't normally see from Metropolis in, especially not in adaptations, you know, they just draw it there. They just present it as like New York or whatever. New York, but bluer. Yeah, New York but bluer, or occasionally golder. Uh, but yeah. you know, and and there that is something that they've gotten better with as the years have gone on. Like in the comics, making sure Metropolis does look more like the City of Tomorrow, like giving it more of an identity. I know that's a big part of the current Action Comics run uh, and everything that they've got Steel and and well the Steels uh, Steelworks. Uh, yeah doing and, so
1: and of course lexcorp or is it su- is it still called supercorp? it's yeah, it's, it's still, still supercorp Super now
0: so there's they're doing more to make the metropolis skyline have as much personality as you know some like like with Gotham. You, someone says Gotham City, you immediately know what to think of. Like, gothic spires, like, dark, rainy, like, everything The old else. macabre. The old macabre, but occasionally, like, a lot of neon, but then also, like, cathedrals. Like you have a, an idea. With the man of, uh, not the man of tomorrow, with the city of tomorrow, Metropolis, you know, it, it varies. Either it just, like, looks like generic New York, or there are adaptations such as Birthright, where it's like, yeah, it does look very futuristic. Like, you you know, obviously you've got the iconic daily planet globe and then you've got the lexcorp building but those a lot of the times you'll just have those two buildings then it's like yeah and then this just looks like new york it's like okay mm-hmm. so it's just just those great um yeah
1: and i do and I, I do like it when they do try to go for the city of tomorrow because mm-hmm. it, like uh, in the D, in the dc universe technically um metropolis is supposed to be the most technologically advanced city on the planet yeah So,
0: there's a reason why it's called the City of Tomorrow. And just in general, like, you know, uh, I think it does a good job of not that, you know, this is a Batman podcast, but with Superman and Batman being DC's two most iconic characters, uh, I think it does a really good job of setting those two characters and the worlds that they are a part of, you know, apart from one another. And it just adds an interesting dichotomy and an interesting layer of this is. This is the type of city that would need Superman to save it. Whereas Gotham is the type of city that breeds heroes like Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, moving on, how do we feel about certain character portrayals, both as a modernization and from the perspective that we now have 20 years later?
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Well,
0: a then-modernization, I should say. Yeah, the then-modernization. Okay, I want to start
1: with Lex, because I feel like Lex... Got me most interested. I don't think he is the most interesting because I honestly think Martha steals the show in this one. Martha's great in this. Yeah, but um, I wanted to talk about Lex because he is the most interesting to me.
0: Which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, before I, I'm I'm gonna let you go off. But just as a general, you know, non sporally kind of actual synopsis, so people get the gist. What we're talking about as this is Superman's origin. It starts off. He's college age, or whatever, about to graduate. It, it features him moving to Metropolis, but before he moves in, into Metropolis and encounters the newfound Lex Luthor, we get flashbacks, him talking with his parents about his childhood in Smallville, where you see that pre-existing relationship with Lex. So, there you go. But, continue, Drew?
1: Yeah, so I like Lex's betrayal uh, in this one the most, mostly because from the moment you finally get to see Lex... Uh, as, these yo- as this young Well not young kid Because tech- they say like oh he's definitely older He's not supposed to be in high school and stuff
0: Yeah I think he's supposed to be Let me think it's what Clark in this is like 16 yeah, At the time yeah. 15 16 I think Lex is supposed to be At least 19 or 20 Like because he got yeah. They they make a point to say like he's been held back Because he he Just refuses to do the work like he's so busy yeah. inventing shit and being an actual genius that he's just not taking his his K through twelve education very seriously.
1: Yeah. Also, he keeps insulting principals. And that stuff, is also so. true.
0: He does keep getting expelled and and insulting the <laughs> the, the the staff at these these schools.
1: Yeah. But um, what I do like is that initially you see Lex come off as super reserved. It's like he's trying. It's like it's very different from his uh from what we see in the modern day. It's like modern day Lex is confident. while the Lex from the past, he's trying to exude that, mm-hmm. but he's not. But he's not doing a good job. Everyone can see, like he's uncomfortable and everything. And yeah. what I like, and what I like is that um, Clark gravitates towards him because they both know what it's like to feel different from the rest of the world. Yeah, Lex is, yeah, Lex is this genius who fixes a burner by making it a more fuel efficient, clean energy source.
0: Yeah, and that's something that that you know what you point out about clark also feeling like an outsider that is what immediately draws lex to clark too because he can tell us like oh you're different like there's something about you like you get what it's like to feel alone in this small town with all these random people who don't give a shit about anything beyond the fields that they're working
1: yeah and then they connect with like astrology and just like oh um um, oh um which one's hot which one's hotter um stars hotter i can't remember the direct um thing but it's basically like clark is able to say clark is able to call him out on it being a trick question and everything yeah. and they both just like have this moment where it's like this guy it's like all right this cool. guy's
0: cool like all right i guess i finally have a friend now and and they say that was it like a year that they're together like they're their friends yeah yeah so lex is there for a year they have an actual relationship which again lends itself to this being canon of like, you know, that makes sense. Why Lex would like you should have told me like
1: it also like when I go to the modern day, it's like Lexus suddenly very defensive of Superman and everything. It's like he sh- it's like he shoots like a peanut into a guy. Didn't even know he had an allergy, but just shoots it in his mouth. To just choke him out when he's dissing Superman. It's like, oh,
0: look at you actually caught up on the the ongoing series.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, When you recommended it to me twice, I had to go.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you what, it's good. The current Superman line is great stuff. It's the best Superman's been in a minute.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty good stuff. But also because we know that they had that friendship and everything that Lex realized um, that Clark was a cool dude before he knew he was Superman and everything. It's like that defensiveness of wanting to defend your friend feels even more like... Like, re- like real. It's like Lex actually, Lex isn't just seeing Superman as like, oh, we can like create the world together. It's like, nah, this is like, this is my friend. This is like
0: someone I've gotten to know. This is my childhood friend who, even though I've tried to kill him numerous times, and realistically, will probably try and kill again. Like, yeah. Now that he's he's aware, he still has that emotional tie.
1: Yeah. Also, for a split second, I was in love with the same woman that he was in love with.
0: Yeah, but who's who's not gonna be in love with Lois Lane the moment you meet her? Jimmy
1: Jimmy did say it's like who doesn't have a crush on her? Yeah, everyone has ever-
0: a crush on Lois Lane. Which I would yeah. I want to talk about Lois in this too uh, once we're done with Lex. But you know that's it's, that's a natural that's a natural reaction to meeting Lois Lane.
1: Yeah, when we get to Lois Lane, there's this one moment I have to mention that is going to be a slight spoiler, but it's not like going to spoil the story for you. But it's, like, it's hilarious to me. uh. But, yeah, Lex is the character who I feel like, it's, like, it's ironic because Superman does benefit a lot. I feel like Lex gets a lot more benefits in this because you kind of see, like, Lex didn't have to turn out the way he did. It's, yeah. It's like, he, it's, like, if he hadn't left, it's, like, honestly, he and Clark could possibly have discovered uh, Clark's draconian heritage sooner. They might have affected each other way more and I remember there was even like a story where it's like they remain, it's like they were friends, and they pushed pushed um, humanity to this golden age and everything. And it's like you constantly keep thinking if these two work together, the sky isn't even a limit.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's what the current stuff is also focusing on. So you are one hundred percent right. And going back to you know talking about how this, you see that Lex didn't have to turn out like this. The fact that he does make the choice to leave, and that you know they they end their friendship because he misunderstands Clark's uh, reacting to you know meteor rocks as fear. Like he he thinks Clark's judging him. That sort of immediate response where you see he feels isolated again, and he feels like there's no one that he can relate to. That plays into not just later in this story, but it also helps shade just every other thing we've seen from lex in continuity because there is a bit where uh, you know again we're trying to avoid you know too much of the spoilers especially for like the climax of the book but there is a bit where you know clark is talking with his parents about uh, i can't remember he's talking with if, i can't remember if it's clark talking with his parents or he's talking to lois or superman talking to lois but discussing like lex's obsession with alien life
1: oh clark with lois
0: clark yeah, it's yeah. Clark. oh yeah because it's after they first yeah they like, have the interview with lex um yeah
1: and lex has that very disturbing uh yeah, hologram
0: and, and what, hologram uh, um but yeah it's clark saying like really i just think he wants somebody to talk to and that's such a perfect perfect distillation of what i think lex Luthor is where he's obviously got this massive ego like he thinks he's better than everyone he's arguably the world's greatest villain, you know, because Superman is the world's greatest hero. And he's like, well, I have to be better than him at everything. But at the end of the day, it's just that Lex feels alone. And because he feels like he's alone, he also feels so far above everybody else that he's like, no, like if I'm going to be alone, like, yeah, I'm better than all of you. Like you're all idiots. I'm the best in the world. I'm the real Superman. I'm the real man of tomorrow. And the fact that we can see the seeds of that, planted here when he's still a teenager it's like man it makes every other Lex story where you see he's just desperately trying to outdo Superman it just makes it that much sadder
1: yeah it's one of those things of just never being able to get over the emotions that you had as a kid Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you're like the jock that thinks like this is your peak in high school and and you just never realize that oh you'll have other peaks it's you just need to, like, stop thinking that this one thing is gonna be you forever.
0: Yeah, it, and it's it's similar to that, but it's also the inverse of, like, for all of Lex's, like, incredible success and all the good he could do for the world, he's still stuck in Smallville. Like, he's still stuck feeling like that isolated person who's like, no, like, I'm better than everyone, and no one gets me, and you're all fools, and I'm gonna prove you all wrong. And, yeah. you know, he's trying to prove himself wrong, but you know, as we've seen, that often leads to him trying to take over the world. So, you know, it it it's you know, maybe therapy would be good for Lex Luthor. And obviously we've talked about Clark's portrayal in this as, as very human. And this is a young Clark, like he's like twenty four twenty five. So you you especially reading this now where it's like, ooh, I guess technically I'm older than Superman in this. It's like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> he's he's a kid. Like this is this is strange. Um, but it's still very true to Superman's core. But I do want to, I really want to talk about Lois's portrayal in this. How do you feel about Lois in in this story?
1: I I love Lois in this portrayal because you can see what makes her great, you can see her flaws, and you can see why everyone simultaneously loves her Mm -hmm. and at the same time wishes that she would just never get out of bed.
0: It's like, would you just shut up and go to sleep because you are giving us all a headache? for disclaimer for everyone when drew says never get out of bed you don't mean it in a sexual way we mean she just needs to stay asleep and stay in bed and not go out and bother everybody <laughs> because yeah, lois lane it, is a menace
1: yeah look it's like look it's like lois it's like at times her menacing is like perfect because she's getting on people who think that they can bully the little guy and everything like and that's what? Lo-
0: Yeah, like like Lex, or not Perry White, but the publisher.
1: Yeah, yeah, the publisher. I was trying to remember his name, but I can't. Uh, But yeah, she defends Jimmy Olsen that way, and that's what Superman first sees of her, and that's um, it is an amazing moment for him. But then it's like we get the moment which I wanted to discuss, where she is dogging on Perry about the assignments and everything and he is just he's writing a list
0: of reasons to either keep her or fire her and (laughs) they're all the same reasons where it's like she has no boundaries but that means she never lets go of lead but it means she's so Mm -hmm. annoying it's also she can't spell
1: yeah i love i love that because that is something with lois in every single um iteration lois is a terrible speller yeah, she's a ter- she's a terrible speller, and she always needs someone to check. Eventually, Clark becomes her unofficial checker before they even start dating and everything. It's a ama- it's amazing, but I also love that Perry is like he's like going to like his golden age version of him, but it's like a bit of a darker because he's like he writes down there's nowhere to hide her body, yeah, nowhere to hide her body. It'll
0: be like thir- she's won like three Pulitzers. She has she's got a seventeen lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay it's like you're you're the best just never change
1: yeah oh yeah i also gotta add that on because she also like apparently has a restraining order against jimmy and he and apparently he didn't actually do
0: anything it's just that he creeped around for a second which is hilarious
1: (laughs) yeah it's like it's just it's just freaking hilarious i also like that this is dirty jimmy not the uh not the smooth Jimmy we had in the New Fifty Two, and I'm not sure if we have in Rebirth because he hasn't really shown up a lot.
0: Well, he's, I oh, he's—I mean, he's no—he's—he has. I mean, did you miss the whole Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen series by Matt Fraction and Steve Lee? I actually, I actually did. Okay, we're adding that. To the, we're adding that to the list because that's one of the best. That's one of my favorite comics. Period. That's one of the best comics of the last ten years.
1: Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy is sort of like—he's one of those characters who. At one point, I loved and would have read anything, and then slowly as I grew older, it's like he just faded into my background. I mean, you've been keeping it, up it's... with the
0: current Superman books. He was just in, you know, he and Silver Banshee are a thing. Like, so he's still, oh, yeah. He's that, a rat. That
1: could, that, yeah, that that yeah, that's that took me, uh, that like was like a super surprise and everything. I'm always surprised when a villain is willing to date one of the side characters. I mean, if you want to
0: like... get technical, Jimmy also is the owner of the Daily Planet right now
1: yeah that i keep forgetting it's like because in my head it's like it's either lex bruce or perry
0: i do like i did like it when bruce owned the daily planet that was cool because then he also at that same time like bought uh he 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 bought the apartment building that lois and clark wanted to live in as a wedding present so it's like damn batman just owns every facet of superman's life (laughs) which is very funny
1: well, technically, he did give the apartment to them, so that way like, he Clark gave the apartment modify. to them, but he
0: owns the building. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, he o- he o- he owns the building, and everything. But Clark was able to like modify it because they had like their first son, their first adopted son in that place, and it was like it was w- it was, like was way more built for Superman's daily going on. Which I love that apartment, yeah. But yeah, but um I just look, but that's the thing about Jimmy. It's like it's hard for me to like remember the stuff that happens to him. Just because some of it I just cannot see happening.
0: <laughs> I love that it all happened. I love it still canon that one time he got turned into a turtle man. Like, Jimmy's just a great- Well, twice. Character. Yeah, he, twice. He turned into a, a porcupine guy. He was legally married to a gorilla. It's just- Jimmy's a fun character, and he, I, he's more of a side character in this, even worse than usual. Like, he doesn't really have much of a role, aside from just being like, Well, I'm Jimmy, and I'm at the Daily Planet. But-
1: yeah, he mo- he mostly comes off as Lois's sidekick until you get to focus on him and it's like Jimmy's life has been a roller
0: coaster, guys. Yeah. He needs a hug. He has a good he has a good moment at the end where it's like, "Okay, good showing, Jimmy. Like you're you're we're we're down. We're down for the 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 Jimmy party." Um, but also going back to Lois real quick. And this is something that we see in a lot of Superman media, um, and a lot of Superman origin adaptations. And I think it's something that's just intrinsic to these two characters, but I love how there's a, there's a plot in this story where the public is turned against Superman. Like it's a, it's a fear campaign and Lois is just the only one who doesn't buy into it. She's like, no, like, I mean, I would like more answers about this guy, but like, he's, he's nice. Like, he's doing good things, which is always so cool because usually, and in this too, Lois is the cynical one, you know? She's, like, jaded. She's a reporter. She's seen some some rough shit. So even though she's doing her best to make the world a better place, it's still just like, she's, like you pointed out, she's always standing up to bully. She's calling everyone on their bullshit. And she sees Superman, and she's like, I'm not detecting any bullshit. Like, he's just here to be nice, you know? <laughs> uh, so I love, I love that facet of the character of their relationship in general and the way it's portrayed in this story i think it's one of the best uh one of the best versions of that at least for an opening
1: yeah it's like you it's like you can see like what makes lois great but you can also see like how she still needs to grow and that's the best part about her she's a character she's not just superman's girlfriend
0: yeah and and you can see how a obviously you know Superman is going to help her grow and become less cynical, but equally as important, you can definitely see how she is going to help Clark grow just in every facet of his life. It's just a, one of my favorite, if one of, if not my favorite couple in comics, let me see. Do we have anything else big to cover before we go into our favorite moments and wrap up? Uh, we, you know, we never talked about, Hmm? yeah, go ahead. We never talked
1: about Godmother Martha.
0: Oh yeah, we didn't talk about Martha. We didn't talk about the Kents. What do you have to say about the Kents?
1: Honestly, this is what this is where I believe Man of Steel should have gone with Jonathan's uh whole with well, not the whole thing because Jonathan because the because some of the fear factor comes in differently. Mm-hmm. But with Jonathan well, with Jonathan's whole reserve of Clark exposing himself into the world and everything it's like he's he's worried that the that the government will come down on clark he's also like he never while he was raising clark he was being a good dad but at the same time he never told clark he wanted to try and fly and everything it's like he never it's like um in that in that moment where he's sad and everything because clark is seemingly getting so attached to his heritage jonathan for a second believes that um clark might not feel like they're his parents. He yeah. doesn't want to say
0: that out loud. It's like, but you can tell oh. that's what he's he's feeling.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like I just like my heart was beating for Jonathan during those moments because it's like, damn. it's like he's saying this stuff, but he's like, you know what he actually means, and it's like it's like he's not different from his it, was like, but he is, and it's like it's like he th- and it's like what he's really saying is like he thinks he is, and it's like, oh. It's like the pain Jonathan is having in that moment. is just, like, so heartbreaking. And then just one moment where Clark just takes him up into the sky, and Jonathan's heart is racing because he's wanted to do this but didn't want to be a bad dad by asking it of his son. Yeah, It's just... Oh, these are... Honestly, I think these are my favorite versions of the Kents. Yeah, because Because then
0: in the meantime, while... You know, Jonathan's having all this anxiety about potentially losing his son. Martha is on the flip side of the coin where she is like 100% down. Like, hell yes. Like, you can see since, you know, Clark was a teenager, like, she's been studying UFOs, like, trying to learn more about his origins, where he came from, like, help him discover who he is. And it's, you can, I feel like a lot of the times when we're discussing the Kents and Superman's parentage, a lot of it is people talking about the impact, especially that Jonathan had on Martha. I mean, Jonathan had on Clark. But in this, I mean, Jonathan also had an impact on Martha. They were, you know, they were married for quite a few years. so uh. it's, like,
1: it's like both of them made each other better.
0: Yeah. But in this, you can also see the impact that Martha had on Clark and how, like, in a lot of ways, like, you know, his parents are his best friends because they're the only people he can really be himself around. And at that, you know, that especially is clear with his relationship with Martha because they never have a moment where, you know, she's in doubt of like, oh, will he stop, like, not necessarily stop loving us, but will he stop seeing himself, like, as our son? Um, I think, yeah, these are, I agree with you, these are definitely some of my favorite interpretations of the characters, and like you were saying with the way that, um, the DCEU portrayed Jonathan Kent as being similarly anxious. Like, it does deal with similar things but themes, but I agree with you. The way that it's handled here is... It's still, you know, close to that archetype of the Jonathan Kent that we know that's like Sun. You know, you have to do what's right for the world. But it has that... Anxiety and that hesitation that they were going for in Man of Steel in a more believable way that isn't just well yeah you know I guess sometimes you get a lot of bus full of kids die
1: <laughs> maybe
0: maybe I mean hey Man of Steel is my third favorite movie so I'm not trying to knock it too much but I didn't I didn't love that moment uh, yeah.
1: well, you know you know me if even even if I love something I am willing to knock it
0: yeah I mean some y- y- you gotta be able to criticize things you know and well. Yeah constructively criticize you can't just be like this is fucking ass and then you know have that <laughs> be that
1: come from a place of respect and dignity not from a place of you want to see this thing burn
0: yeah so one last question before we get into our uh favorite moments where would you rank this you know in terms of like superman origins and do you think it works better like standalone or do you do you want it to do you think it should have had more of an impact on the canon or do you want it to have more of an impact on the canon now
1: more of an impact on the canon both before and now well and we it worked yeah, and honestly, I don't know if it works better as a standalone or works better in Canon because I feel like it can it does both and it does both amazingly
0: yeah i'm I'm about right there with you before the Current status quo of Superman, where it's like, oh, it seems like birthright may be canon again. I would have been fine saying, yeah, this works great as just a standalone story. And I do still think it can work as a standalone story. Like I said, if you just want to recommend this to somebody as like the one Superman story to read, and like just have that be that, like, sure, it works in that sense. But I do think that as an origin despite how insulated it is in that it really is just like this is just the world of superman like you really don't get any references to the wider dcu in this i don't think at least not off the top of my head well Um, just well just cities and stuff yeah just cities but it's you don't even get so much as mentioning like oh you know do they do they even mention wayne tech like that nope yeah like normally you think oh no
1: wait actually
0: yes they do because they do uh, don't they it's like a yeah contract that lex is competing against or whatever
1: yeah and then he like send one of his goons to sabotage it
0: yeah something like that so that's like the biggest reference to any other dc character uh, outside of the superman world that you get um but like i was saying seeing the potential ramifications of this story in the current Superman books, I am definitely very glad that this is maybe potentially back in canon, even if it's not something that I would have thought to do in the first place. And I will say um, that I am very, very excited for the upcoming Last Days of Lex Luthor miniseries um, by Mark Wade and Brian Hitch, who was the artist on Ultimates, which we've also covered on this show, Um, seeing as how it'll be like mark wade has described it as pretty much like a spiritual sequel to birthright so it seems like this will be those two same versions of the characters even if it's not necessarily in i don't think it's i don't think it's going to be in the current continuity because you know from what we've seen um you just the the timelines wouldn't match up with what that lex is doing in that story and what he, where he currently finds himself in the main comics but i'm um, just uh, There were rumors of uh, a Mark Wade Brian Hitch, Superman mini for the last few years, like a Black Label book. And I've just been looking for every bit of news that I can. So as soon as they announced that, I'm like, oh, this is everything I want. So I am super, super looking forward to that. I'm interested to see how it ties in with Birthright and the impact that both of these stories have together uh, on, on the canon. So, <laughs> before we wrap up, Drew... What are some of your favorite moments from Superman Birthright?
1: Surprisingly, they are some of the most simple. Uh, because when Clark is just flying around Africa, you know, he's like floating with the zebras and going up in the sky, and even mm. surprisingly, wrestling a lion.
0: <laughs> yeah, just playing uh, with a lion.
1: Yeah. It's like it was, it was like a weird moment, but I liked it. Uh, but that was one but that was one of my favorite moments because you see him exploring his powers and he is so Inexperi- he's so inexperienced at the moment that well is he inexperienced
0: because is- I got the the idea that he was just very comfortable with who he was like he's not experienced in the sense that oh I'm going to go out and save a space shuttle but it's like it seems like he's been able to fly and he's obviously been strong and whatnot for like his entire life it seems like he's more just he's not hiding who he is like it seemed to at least the way I interpret it is he's reveling in his abilities and when he has the privacy to do so
1: yeah uh yeah you're you got a point there because he's like at this point he's try- it's like he's had multiple times where he had to hide himself because like people get afraid of his powers and yeah. stuff because it's not so, like he
0: gets that much more experience in between africa and then going to be superman
1: yeah so you're you're right but it's like i still love the movie because it's like just this moment of peace where it's like you don't have to be a superhero you don't have to be like this world-changing god all you have to
0: do is just be a guy who yeah. can fly just be a guy who can fly and and is strong enough to wrestle a lion without it (laughs) eating you yeah
1: and also the fact that he could tell the lion wasn't trying to eat him yeah like that's a nice moment of showing clark in a moment of comfortability where he can tell intentions it's like that's really cool
0: well i mean he could probably like you know smell whatever adrenaline it would have before the kill like see its heartbeat like it's probably just like oh yeah let's let's fuck around and, and wrestle uh any other favorite moments
1: well, since you mentioned heartbeat, I do like that uh I think it only happens twice, but to, twice in the storybook they show you the heartbeats that Clark is listening to, like one time he does it with Martha, which is probably like my favorite moment, where we were even we as the audience can tell she's lying because her heartbeat increases. So that's a really cool that's a really cool um, artistic flair that I like. Uh and I think my I think, uh, I'm trying to avoid t- to be spoilers, spoiler, so I'm mm. gonna say my other favorite moment is just Clark and Lex on the uh, ledge, where after they've w- after they looked at the telescope, they just lay back, and they're like, communing with each other. It's like, this is the moment where it's like, their friendship has blossomed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I agree. That is definitely a great moment. Um... Yeah, those are all... God, this is such a good book. Those are all great moments. I wanna say one of my favorite moments is what i mentioned earlier the bit where clark's talking to lois and he's like i just think lex wants somebody to talk to um that hits so hard as someone who's a lex Luthor fan shout out to smallville um somebody say side note i have i have multiple copies of superman birthright but my original uh, the first copy I ever got i have it signed by tom Welling and michael rosenbaum oh so jealous right now yeah so that's very exciting for me i have it on the shelf right next to me um and i've got the the new deluxe hardcover edition sitting right in front of me because i just got it's just such a beautiful it, that's world. on my
1: wish that's on my wish list i got it i, I got I wanna, it on
0: sale on free comic book day i was like i gotta i gotta do it gotta. it was
1: on sale on free comic book day are you i mean at me?
0: my comic shop it was dang but you know we live in different places uh so yeah favorite moments would be the bit where clark is telling lois he thinks lex just wants someone to talk to um another favorite moment would be during the climax and i won't spoil too much but it's when clark is rescuing the child and he it's the great splash point where he's Uh shielding her uh from from an attack and i won't say what he's shielding with but it's just like man that's so fucking powerful and Mm -hmm. then um my favorite moment is towards the end. The, what it, it's, let me see. Is it actually the last page of the story? Let me see. Because I don't want to... I'm also trying to think of how I can say this without, like, spoiling anything. Because it's such a great, like, little character moment that I definitely want people to be able to read it for themselves. Yeah. The, so the last page where Clark is able to send a message to somebody. And, and like, their reaction to it. That is That is one of my... That's one of my favorite Superman moments. Period. Uh, I think it's just it's so beautiful. So yeah, I'd say those are my those are probably my three favorite moments of the series. Any last words you want to say about Superman Birthright before we head on out of here? Before we rock it off to another another planet?
1: Well, as the wise man once said, they can be a great people, cow. They only need the light to show them the way. There you go. For this reason. I have sent them you, my only son.
0: My final thoughts are Superman Birthright. Really good book. Everyone should read it. I hope that, you know, what we've talked about today entices anyone to read it if they're on the fence about Superman in general. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious as to how many people are, are actually going to take our recommendations seriously. But that is about it. Uh, Drew, what are you working on and where can people find you?
1: currently you can find me on twitter and instagram at drew underscore where i am just trying to crank out some shorts uh i might put them on youtube shorts if i ever figure out how to do that
0: technology's hard man uh, the
1: technology technology's hard but at the same time also it's like whenever i try to upload it's like it just gives me the regular video thing so well who i mean and you like, got to be
0: lex to figure out that shit
1: yeah true that but yeah, um. So if you, so you guys follow me on there, uh, I actually, I actually have something a little
0: special planned that I'm trying to get Tristan involved in too. But intriguing, it's yes. a fun tease for the audience. <laughs> and once you're done checking out Drew's socials, you can find me. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Back Issue Bins, and you can also find my work over at Screen Rant. You know where I'm always cranking out pieces about the latest, and you know, not even the latest, some old shit, some weird shit happening in the comic book world. Uh, you know, maybe just recently I wrote about how Guardian from the Shi'ar Imperial Guard is an underrated Superman pastiche, and everyone should think he's cool, because he's got a big mohawk, and he's purple, and that's just really fun for me, and he's great, he's a match for Thor. But, after like you're he's done... Awesome. He's, he's awesome, he's awesome. But, after you're done reading all my shit, then... And, you know, maybe before, I'm not going to tell you the order in which you got to do these things. I'm not a dictator, but you should just do all these things in whatever order you see fit. You should head on over to our Patreon, the Patreon for the Nerdstash Network. Um, We put out a lot of content over here at the Nerdstash, and we always want to make sure that that content isn't behind a paywall, that it is always going to be readily available and enjoyable for whoever wants to listen But if you want to kick a few bucks our way, even just a singular buck uh, our way, just to get some cool behind the scenes stuff, you know, take part in polls, suggest what you want us to cover on our various shows, fun things like that, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can also join our Discord where we've got just a shitload of nerds just from all over the place talking about all sorts of nerdy things. And hey, If you like some of our recommendations, join the Discord. Let us know. Drew and I are in there, you know. You want to let us know that, hey, Superman Birthright is ass? Well, I will argue with you, but I would appreciate you, you know, reaching out to us. And then, after that, why don't you consider leaving us a rating on whatever service you're listening to us on. You know, Apple, Audible, Spotify, Podbean, you know, wherever you get your podcast, you know, iHeartRadio. Are we on iHeartRadio, Drew? Drew? Do you do you know if we are? I
1: don't know, honestly. I've never been on iHeartRadio. I
0: haven't either. I just hear ads for it a lot. But let's just pretend we're on iHeartRadio, too. So if you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, you could also join the Discord and let us know if that's where you listen. And then, boom, you know, that's that's solving yet another problem. But the links for all of these, you know, services and sites will be in the description of this episode, so all you gotta do is scroll and click. Drew, anything else you want to add?
1: Uh, yeah, Superman Birthright is amazing, and uh, for all of you who think Superman Superman is boring, read this and uh, come back and tell us how wrong you
0: were. There you go. I I can't you know say anything to beat that. I can I can co-sign that, but I'm I'm not gonna surpass that. So I guess all I gotta say is until next time, up up and away, everybody. Peace.